Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. All right, welcome back. I am sitting in Sardia of all places. I'm here for an event tomorrow, and there's actually only one other speaker there with me tomorrow. I believe there's only one, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just us. So we kind of connected over email, just kind of leading up to this event. And Marnie, who's my guest today, shared a tiny one sentence, basically tidbit (laughs) about her story. And I immediately responded with, I'm going to need you to come on the podcast because, and and I'm just going to be completely honest right now. I, I actually don't know her story, but I know that there is something about this that I think we all maybe need to hear and that we maybe need to start to wrap our heads around other people experiencing. And so I'm really happy to introduce Marnie to the podcast today. Hi, thank you. Hi, thank you for welcoming me to Sarnia. It's a big town. It's a a big town. (laughs) I honestly thought it was a big town. No. I was like, I'm going to Sarnia. You're like probably really excited. And then you, you roll in and you're like, oh, this is it. Okay, honestly, we have it, more than one corner, but it is and small. also for the longest time I had it in my head that it was Sudbury because Sudbury. I, so I was expecting flight information at some point, <laughs> and I was like, why? Oh, I don't have a flight. Like I don't have a flight to Sudbury. <laughs> and it just like, that's amazing, Sarah. You're not going to Sudbury. You're going to Sarnia. It's literally two hours down the road, and I was like, oh, so I'm driving. So I put on. Well, you could have flown, but is there even flights here? Yeah, we have a little airport called the Chris Hatfield Airport. Love Chris Hatfield. Yes. I think you've talked about him before. Have well, you? I, Shane's a huge fan. So I bought Chris Hadfield tickets because we were going to go see him live. But I didn't realize it was Chris Hadfield in concert and he oh, was singing, singing. songs. Mm-hmm. So he was he was singing songs. I love you, Chris Hadfield. We left it every, we left at intermission. <laughs> he was such a cool guy. Like he's oh, yeah. so cool. He's so charming. Not what we expected no. that I was buying a ticket for, but mm-hmm. it was really cool to see him regardless. He's just like such a light. He's like our hometown celebrity. Is he from here? Yes. Okay. So I'm I didn't even know that. Yep. There yeah, you he's go. so cool. I didn't realize he was such like a YouTube star now. Mm-hmm. And he does all of this wrote really a book. cool stuff. Wrote a book. He he's sang so- up in space. That was his latest thing. He sang. Really? Yep. And then when he was up there, he actually took a picture of Sarnia. We all had to turn our lights on one night. So there you go. There's your little. Wow. You guys are like backing <laughs> we him. We are badass. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. 
So explain yeah. who Chris Hadfield is for people who don't know. He was an astronaut. But like more than that, he was not just an astronaut. Wasn't he Wasn't he like a really important astronaut? Yeah. I don't know the depths of it. Now you're calling me out. I was going to say, now I don't know what the rest of this. Anyhow. Anyhow. That's what, yeah. Chris, the airport. That's how it all started. The airport. The airport. There we yeah. go. So Marnie, you told me a little bit about your story, but I actually don't know it for real. That's what I started with. So you are, you're on social media. You're now doing this public speaking thing, but I actually don't know your story. So okay. I, need, I need you to tell it. I need you to tell it. I don't care how long it takes for you to tell it. Take, Take it, it away. In. Okay. I have no other way to say this. Okay. I have like, I know, I know like the peak of the story, mm-hmm. but I don't know the story. Yeah. And on, a, on my social media page, the Helmet for Your Life that I run with my, one of my best friends, I don't often open up too deep with my yeah. story. A lot of our followers know, mm-hmm. but I don't normally get too deep into it. So when I was asked to speak, I thought I would reach out to you and explain, like, do you yeah. want to know why I'm speaking? Or, you know, we had kind of yeah. chatted. So I sent you a, a quick tidbit. And like the gist of my journey is our journey always starts when we're born. But my my true growth journey started nine years ago. Well, nine and a half years ago now, I suppose. I was just turned 30 years old. I had a three-year-old. I had a six-year-old. My daughter was the youngest, Cohen, and Landon was six. Great kid names. Yeah. Love that. Coey, we call her Co. Oh, Co. Yeah. I love that. Had a great life. Husband, yeah. he was no PP officer. Yeah. You know, thought living our best life. We were out. That's a dream. You've yeah. got the American million dollar family. Million dollar and, family. And, yeah. And I guess we all walk through life assuming that, not that we're invincible, but it won't happen to me. Mm. We were out that night with friends and uh, went to bed not knowing that my life was going to change in literally a blink of an eye. And I woke up in the morning to my husband dying beside me. Yeah. How did he die? Well, at first we didn't have a cause of death. There was literally... So did you, when you found him, was he in distress? Yes. With, okay. Yeah. And my son came in and... It was a very traumatic experience. So at the time, they didn't find a cause of death, not for six months. So my kids went for genetic testing because I was like, okay, he was 37 at the time. I was going to say, like, how did they not figure this out for six months? There was nothing wrong with his body. And that's terrifying. You must have been like, is there something in the house? Was there a virus? They did all tests for everything in the house. Oh my gosh. Um, And I didn't talk about this for the longest time because not that I was shameful about it. I just didn't want anyone to judge him for it. Mm. Um, But then I felt, though, it was one of these things that needed to be spoken about because, Mm. again, everyone assumes it will never happen to me. My husband, at the time, a very fit guy. Yeah. He was a police officer. Yeah. Attractive man. And come to find out, it was steroids and ephedrine. Okay. Yeah. I mean— you say it and it sounds shocking, but it's actually not. It, I think yeah. at this point I've learned enough that this is not an, it's not an untypical thing for people to be mm-hmm. on. You can actually get ephedrine pretty much anywhere. It's anywhere. sold as a cold medicine. Mm-hmm. So it's very easily accessible, especially even in Canada and steroids the same way. Like they're not hard to come across and they are performance enhancing. Yeah. So it's not, I don't think I've ever heard somebody dying from that though. Yeah. And I, I went through that phase of like, how? Like mm. I had no idea. And I was like, how? I see people abuse this. You look at athletes and like, how yeah. How does this happen to a, a dad yeah. that wasn't abusing them? How old was he? 37. Okay. And that disbelief, anger. Yeah. He, I felt it was very selfish. Yeah. And then going through the motions of telling your young children. Fair enough. Um, 
I'll never forget that day either, sitting on my parents' front porch and the car coming in and having to tell them that their dad wasn't coming home. My daughter was really young. She struggled, I, I would not say the most, but the stages of grief mm. go through it. I've learned through a lot of therapy and she struggles the most because of the unknown, I feel. Yeah. She, yeah. Um, I think that's kind of the thing with kids though. I found that too, like when I went through a divorce, not that it's anything close to the same thing, but it was that unknown. That's not that they weren't actually when they were upset, they weren't upset about the divorce itself. They were upset about what does this mean? Un- what does this mean for me? Where yeah. do I live now? Do mm-hmm. I, what, what about this? What about mm-hmm. that? Like they don't, I don't know even that they get the chance to fully grieve what's going right. on. Exactly. Yep. They're just, it's so instantaneous for them about what's next. Like, does, yep. does somebody move away? Is mm-hmm. there this, is there that? So I can imagine that for a child going through grieving their parent, it's going to happen a million their different whole ways life. their whole life. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. So moving past that and, well, not even moving past, trying to figure out your new, new normal. Yes. And I guess this is this is where my big growth journey comes in and what I want to not advocate, but just share with women because I went into flight mode. Like I went into, I'm a mom, I mm-hmm. have to wake up. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point for me where I didn't feel like I had a purpose anymore. Mm. Like I didn't feel like I wasn't a good mom, wasn't a good friend. I I really didn't feel like I was I was good at anything because I was numbing my emotions with alcohol, mm-hmm. with drugs, mm-hmm. because honestly, like I, I just went into fight and flight mode. Like I just Yeah, and then and the story, the story thickens. I met my husband now. And so I'm remarried now to a wonderful man who lost his wife a year after my husband passed away. Yeah, that blows me away. Mm-hmm. I've I've heard of that happening before. I have a friend who this is so strange. Her husband mm-hmm. and her both bonded over the fact that they'd lost parents. Mm-hmm. But in them coming together and getting married, then both of their widowed parents ended up getting together. Really? And I always thought that was so fascinating. Like, does it is it like a level of understanding that you don't feel like somebody would ever have before? I feel like I have a newfound appreciation of, of relationship in life mm-hmm. and, and for myself mm-hmm. and for my partner. But our stories, it's a little bit odd and different in the sake of the night my husband passed away. Um, yeah. my, Chris is my new husband and Joel was my husband that passed away. They ran into each other that night. What? Yes. We were in the States at a shopping mall with friends and we went for dinner and I was in a store and they ran into each other. So they were both eight years older than me. So they were yep. the same age and they grew up together and played hockey together. I was going to say, they must have they, known each other. Yes, so they saw each other town. this day. Yeah. So they ran into each other, talked. I was in a store shopping carried on our night. And when we got home, Joel, my husband that passed away, text Chris to go golfing that next week. They hadn't mm. talked in years. Yeah. So the, I don't say everything happens for a reason. I really struggled with that for a long time mm-hmm. because people would always tell me, you know, your life happens to you for a reason. And it, no. would, it would effing angry. I'm angry I'm, me. I'm this, I'm oh, with you. I'd be like, so that. my husband dropped dead beside me with two young kids for a reason. Yeah. It, it really doesn't, it doesn't help a lot of people. I think, especially when they've come out of trauma or yeah. been a victim to something to be told that this has happened for a, for reason. a reason. Or if you've lost a child, like this, like God gave this to you for a reason. Like, I don't know that that like, I've, it's I hard say this almost every episode because I think almost everybody has this moment where did this happen to me for a reason? And Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't, I think the good can come out of everything, but I don't think that everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And then Chris's wife was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. About six months later. And did you know her as well? Okay. And when she was admitted into the hospice, she laid there and told Chris to contact me. What? Why? Because it's a small town again. And my husband passed away like a year Mm. prior. And it was a very 
like we were young, right? So it was very yeah. public. And she just said, you need to contact Marnie, that girl that lost her husband and asked to do what to do with the kids. Yeah. So then our kids were in a bereavement group together and we met kind of there and it just escalated from that. Did you have that, you know, they talk about trauma bonds, but it's a little bit different when you haven't gone through the trauma together. You've gone through it separate mm-hmm. and now and we've different. met and different. Yeah. Very different. Very There's different. one that's like a Sudden. slow pancreatic, I'm assuming is pretty fast as yes. well, but yeah. still young widowed people. Mm-hmm. Did you find it gave you guys a sense of relatability to that? Or did you find it was almost like, how do, how do you even carry on a relationship when it's not even about like, how are you and what do you do and what do you like? What are your hobbies? Mm-hmm. It's like, how are you doing with the death of your spouse? Right. That's a different layer of relationship. Yeah. Honestly, we've been very, very open from the very beginning. Mm. Um, it's different. Sometimes people can't always understand it. Like Joel and Carolyn, like I was telling you earlier, are very much a part of our lives yeah. every day. Pictures talked about. My son is a spitting image of his father. Like is he you really? Can't, you can't look at Do him. Do you love that? Yeah. yeah. And his mannerisms. And Chris will even be like, oh my gosh, he's so much like his dad, right? So we know because they were kids. Yeah. Okay. So we, ha- and he, like my son plays hockey and he's like, he skates just like his dad. Isn't like, that he's wild? Same, yeah. So having that is really good and the understanding and the respect mm-hmm. because I feel like if it had a, now this is my feelings. I always just say, this is my opinion and my feelings. If the situation had been different, I don't know what it would have looked like. Right. I don't, I don't know if that respect and appreciation for Joel would have still been there and Carolyn. I can understand that. Yeah. And I think that's what, for most people, we were talking earlier where the difference between like a widow dynamic to like having an ex, like you guys don't have exes that you now have to manage with, but you're almost having to like, you're forced and not forced. It's such a choice to honor them. And I think a lot of times in blended families or loss of marriage and stuff like that, it's really hard to make that choice. Mm -hmm. And then you have this layer of like grief on top of that. But you're honoring these people. I mean, I just told you this earlier, but I still feel like it's valid to talk about now. I watched that movie, Message in a Bottle. Yeah. And I used to always say that I would never marry somebody who was a widow Mm -hmm. because I would never be able to live up to a dead woman. Yeah. Because they would always be glamorized. It would always be perfect. My marriage would never live up Mm -hmm. because I would feel like, you just can't live up to somebody who's right. not there. Mm-hmm. And you guys have both had this experience. Yeah. So as much as it's an uncomfortable question to ask, how has that been for you guys in the sense of like, you have these other people who died lovingly beside mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. We have had our struggles with it. Yeah. I mean, however, again, just being very respectful, Joel and Chris are complete opposites and Carolyn and I are complete opposites. Oh, really? So we laugh about it a lot. Yeah. Actually, how I'm like, I married like the complete opposite and Chris says the same thing. I mean, there's always that jealousy aspect, but it, it's funny. Sure. And I'm not saying this to be rude, but it's like, there is such thing as jealousy of a ghost, right? Like it's- No, like that's like yeah. the biggest of jealousies yeah. that I would have. Yeah, but I think we- we honor it. I, it's it's really hard to explain. Like yeah. we, we go through our our struggles with it, but we always work through it. It's never a defined issue that sticks. Like mm-hmm. it's never like, it's not something we fight about. And how has it been with the kids? Like how has, <laughs> how is that dynamic? Because how many children are there between you? Five. There's five kids. Yeah. You have two. Two. Yep. He has three. Three. How has that dynamic happened coming together? It, again, not going to lie. It's been a struggle. I love it. It has though because I feel like everyone glosses over that. Yeah, because there's so much there's so much good in a struggle. 
Absolutely. That's how you grow. That's how you grow. So I just, I find so many times when people are telling the story, like, yeah, it was hard, but it's so good. But you don't take a moment to be like, it was a struggle. I just watched that video today of Meghan Markle talking about her experience of being a mom and being in the royal family. And she was like, Mm -hmm. this is already so hard. And Mm -hmm. like, and they said, is it, is it fair to say that it's been difficult? And she was like, yes. Yeah. And I was like, thank goodness somebody's saying that. Yep. It's been a challenge. We've had to go to therapy for it. Yes. When you're blending five children, right now they're ages nine to 19, yep. together, four girls and one boy, all different oh, personalities. I know, right? And he's stuck <laughs> right in the middle. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. He's a great kid, though. When all different personalities and our households were very different, mm-hmm. very different. Mm-hmm. So you take three from one family, two from another, you plant them in a home. Again, they were raised and they remember those days. Yeah. So we really struggle with my kid, your kid. Yes. And I, we, I guess I can say this, but we went to a therapist and, and she said to us, guys are different, right? Mm-hmm. So my husband was like, these are my five kids. That's it. Yeah. And I'm gonna love them all the same. But our therapist was like, that's the, no, mm. like your biological bond is very different. Yes. I love all five children. However, like with, with my two children and his three children, there's that blood bond. Yes. Um, we're all very close, but it, it, it is a struggle. I think that's fair to say. I actually had, it wasn't even an argument, but Sheen and I had this discussion last night because he he saw something, something happened with one of the kids and he was like, I feel like you don't, mm. you're not backing me. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and I was like, it's this guttural instinct. Like they're yeah. my blood. Yeah. Like there is no, and I said to him, and I had, I had tears like streaming down my face and I was like, you are my family and like we are family, but there is part of me that's like, I will always always, protect them. They will always be like what I defer to. Mm -hmm. And I will always give them the benefit of the doubt. And I'm like, you have to understand, like, especially coming out of like, and you have had the same type of experience when you've come out of a situation where you're suddenly, it's you and them. Mm -hmm. And then you add more people to that equation. As much as it's like, yes, we are family. We are one. And this is beautiful. There's those moments where you understand. They're like, it's still me and them. Yeah. And then we have this choice together, yeah. but it is still me and them. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And, it, and it really came out, like this is literally last night. It really came out. And at the end of it, I felt really, I felt really good because I think that I had to really face the fact that I did look at them differently than I do look at him. Right. He still remains a choice and they still remain my blood bond. Right. So that's, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. It's still interesting to hear it in a dynamic of widowship and grievement and loss and like blending in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. All right, friends, just want to take a quick pause from that conversation to talk about something else, something that 64% of us are doing every single day, and that's drinking coffee. But I'm actually really into this different kind of coffee. It's mushroom coffee. I don't know if you've heard of it, but our sponsor today is Four Sigmatic, and I've been a customer of theirs for a while since my mom told me about this stuff. It is a powder form coffee that you simply mix with hot water and drink. I can send it with my husband on the way to work. I can bring it with me in my purse. Whatever it is that you want to do, all you need to do is have access to hot water, and you can have an amazing experience with this mushroom coffee. And no, it doesn't taste like mushrooms at all. 
all. But there are some really cool key benefits to it, which I love. The first one that's big for me is the fact that I don't get that jittery feeling after having it because it has half the caffeine, but it still has that chaga mushroom in it, which gives you that focus and all the good things that, you know, coffee can kind of bring. But it also has some neat benefits like supporting your immune system, has antioxidant properties, and it's completely vegan, sugar-free, dairy-free. It's made of 100% organic Arabica coffee beans. And it's actually gentler on the gut too. If you're somebody who, when you drink coffee, your stomach kind of hurts from it, this one is so much gentler on your gut. So if this is something you're interested in, of course, I'm going to offer you a coupon code today just for Papaya Podcast audience. So you can go to foursigmatic.com slash papaya to order, or you can enter papaya at checkout and you're going to receive 15% off your order. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash papaya. This podcast needs to be a place where we can hear uplifting and inspiring content. And I feel like there are a lot of stories that need to be told and just circumstances that maybe we don't understand because we haven't been through them. Join us for new episodes of Mint Arrow Messages every Monday and hear stories of people who will inspire you to change, who will inspire you to be better. Come to listen to good messages that will uplift you and increase your understanding of the world around you. And hopefully we can all make this world a better place. So you guys met, I guess his wife died a year after you guys, Mm -hmm. you lost your husband. How long was it and how did it really work with the dynamics of the kids and stuff? This is a common question that I get a lot in terms of like people dating after divorce, but Mm -hmm. I think it's still the same kind of thing. Like there's a similar dynamic in the sense of when and how do you introduce a new partner into a situation and yours is a very elevated type Mm -hmm. of situation. That was a struggle because... uh, I'll never forget when when we got engaged, I was in complete guilt mode. Oh, yeah. Um, like I'll never, when he gave me the ring, I went into work and I was like, I'm not telling anybody. Oh, my god! Because I felt I had to, not the validation, but I was so worried about what people would think. Mm. Um, How I'm, long was it after? Like, were you just worried about the fact that? Yeah. I mean, the people assume that you need to sit in a black dress in the corner and cry. You know, um, mm. you can't be happy. Yeah. And I think that's something that society really needs to look at because mm-hmm. I remember saying to one of my friends, like, if somebody makes me happy or somebody makes my kids happy, why would I ever take that away? Right. It doesn't make me love mm-hmm. Joel less or love yes. the situation. It's, it, he's not here. I, um, do you follow the freckled fox? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you know this story. Yeah. But she was a mom of four or five at the time mm-hmm. and she lost her husband to cancer and her husband died and it wasn't two months later, three months later, and she was married to a new man very suddenly. Mm-hmm. And the response was negative. Was so negative. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, there was part of me that felt that same anger because I was like, no, yeah. you just lost him. Like, But I, I realized that that was my own set of grief because I had glamorize them as this couple, this beautiful family and this love that they shared together. Mm -hmm. And when she lost him, it was like, you were so gutted for her. And Mm -hmm. then she's remarried. Like it almost like felt like it took away from that love that she had from her husband. But I sat with that feeling for about a day and I watched the comments flow in and stuff like that. And then I thought to myself, how dare we Mm -hmm. give a widow who lost her husband 
a standard in which she is to live and a standard in which she is to love. And the person who she married was somebody she knew for a really, really long time. And they, they didn't need all this time in the world. And the fact that this man who was like coming into a situation with a widowed woman and five children was like, if we're going to do this, Embracing we're going to do it. this. Yeah. And it took me a hiccup of a moment, but I really did come to respect that and yeah. respect their family and to understand that. And then I went through a divorce myself. Again, not the same thing, but but it, it, it moving on yeah. was such a guilt factor. Yeah. I hid Jane. Mm-hmm. I didn't let anybody know about him. Yeah. We were so private. And all I thought about was, I'm going to be so judged yeah. for moving on. And Am I allowed to be happy? Right. And there's a lot of that. I, I've had so many friends go through divorces or, or different things. And they're like, you have no idea how long it takes. But I remember just thinking at one point, there was a friend of mine who went through like a bad divorce and it was all anybody could talk about. It was all mm-hmm. anybody talked about. Mm-hmm. And somebody said to me, they're like, yeah, but do you remember when so-and-so went through her divorce? And I was like, well, yeah, that's all we talked about. And then she's like, but when's the last time anybody did? And I was like, oh, you're right. It's, right. it's been three years. So in my head, when I was going through divorce, all I thought about was, in three years, nobody's going to no talk, talk about this. About it, yeah. So I might as well do what's going to work out for me in yeah. the long run. And you and, know what? I'm sure people talked. I'm sure people talked about me. I'm sure people talked about you. Absolutely. I know they did. You know, did <laughs> it happen? Well, yeah. You live in, well, you live yeah, in I'll Sud- never, yeah. Not Sudbury. Oh my yes. gosh. <laughs> we live in a little town in Sarnia. So sorry, yeah, Sarnia. No. <laughs> it's an S town. Yeah, it's an S town. So it was talked about. Oh this yeah. This is a hot topic. Oh yeah. What kind of negativity did you guys embrace? I shouldn't say embrace. Well, did you guys face? Chris moved on a little bit quicker than I well, did. Like mine was bad. two and a half years. His was a little bit, but men, studies prove that men move on quicker because they, right, they need, they need women. And the, I think it was my therapist that also, or I read it in a book that people that live a happy marriage, mm-hmm. if they go through what I went through, like having yeah. a spouse pass, they move on quicker because they earn for that, that love or just sitting on the couch, right? Opposed to someone that was in an unhappy relationship. Yeah. So, I mean, the negativity, like, oh, they moved on too quick. I've also heard that men die a lot faster in terms of like, I think, because they normally when they're doing these stats, they're mm -hmm. looking at somebody who is a little bit older. But the the rate in which a man dies after having a woman with him, Mm -hmm. if a woman has her husband die, she has this like instinct to survive. There is a lot of that, right? where when a man loses a woman, they don't really have that they don't same have thing. So yeah. they really they really struggle a lot differently. So I can understand, especially with a man with a who think a little bit more strategically than a woman who thinks kind of with her heart. Yeah, and a man um, with three daughters. And a man with three daughters <laughs> who probably was like, oh, dear goodness. What am I going to do? Yeah. How did the daughters take to the whole thing? Amazing. Really? You know what? It's it's been it's been great. Yeah. The last one to call, so they all started calling me mom. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my son and he plays hockey and I'll never forget it. He comes home and he says, Mom, I was talking to him and I'm like, what? And he's like, Yeah. So tonight at hockey, my defense partner asked me why why I call my dad Chris. Mm. So I was like, and well, what did you say? And he goes, Well. I told him this, like yeah. at that age, he would have been, I don't even know how old. And he goes, so I think I'm ready. I'm ready to call him dad. Oh my like, gosh. So we, we, it was just a very Were natural thing. you married thing. at this point? Yes. Okay. It was just a very natural thing. Mm-hmm. Like it just kind of happened. We didn't push it. We didn't, yeah. it was just very, very natural. Did you introduce him as a friend or did you introduce him as a boyfriend? As a friend. Yeah. Well, what happened we was the, the kids were in a bereavement group together. True, true, So we true. would drop them off and then we would go for coffee. 
And then the kids yeah. were all hanging out and they wanted to spend time together, together more often. And then we would go to the cemetery and their headstones were like 10 feet away from each Get other. Out. So we'd be standing there. I'll never forget the day. We were standing in the cemetery. His youngest daughter was just one, like she was a baby. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was holding her and I had like this, the most weirdest moment, like especially at a cemetery. Mm-hmm. And get home that night. And I text him and I said, the weirdest thing happened today at the cemetery. He's like, what? I'm like, I wanted to kiss you. Oh. And we live like 20 minutes away from each other at the time. Yeah. And like 15 minutes later, my front door knocks and he walks in and he Stop just grabs it. me and he kissed <gasps> me. And I was like, this is like a movie. And I'll I'm never forget. Oh, it's a watch. <laughs> and I'm, I was like so talking that's how to it my. started. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. And then it's just. This guy's a romantic. He I, is. Look at my arms. He's, a, he's such a great guy. Yeah. He's a great guy. That's incredible. I love that though. I love that you listened enough to say it. I love that you, you felt that. Like that mm-hmm. must be such a gift after so much to be able to embrace and celebrate. And like, that must've been such an exciting time yeah. in such a scary time. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then we went through some really hard, hard, hard years. Of course. And I hit about three years ago, I hit bottom where it was, again, I was. What was bottom for you? <sighs> you know what? A failed business mm-hmm. that should have never, never have opened, but it was a point where everyone was just like, just let her do it. Yeah. She lost her husband. Just let her. Right. So went through that and he came into my life as that was already open okay, and helped me through it. And I can't pinpoint an actual thing that happened. I just, I don't think I grieve properly mm. for me. And like, there's no right or wrong way to grieve. No. I just feel like I hit a lot. I numb things. I pretended that I was okay. And then one day it was, not one day, it was gradual. I just got to a really bad point. Like the kids would go to school. I would get back in bed because Chris traveled a lot. And I would set my alarm for 1.30 knowing our oldest would be home from high school and I would get out of bed and yeah. get my shit together and put a smile on my face and carry on. And it was got to the point where he recognized and and he goes, like, what's going on? I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm just in a really bad place. I don't feel like I have a purpose. I'm not feeling well. I can't really describe it. So then closed the business, moved on. And then that's kind of when my journey started. And I know you know Kim. I came across yes, her on social Kim. media and I started like Kim a, Fitzpatrick. Kim Fitzpatrick. I met her this year speaking. Yeah. We were doing a bit of a round circle and yeah. she stood up and she's she speaks with like so much kindness yeah. and authority and she had the coolest braid I've ever seen in a hair. Yeah. Always. And she stood up and she began to sob telling this story. And I thought, oh, yeah. this woman I thought who is this like hard edged badass mm-hmm. just came and weeped in front of me. And and the dynamic of who she was, I I began to realize was so much more layered than I originally mm-hmm. assumed. You never, you, you can't, going on social media and knowing people, you never know their story. You never know their story. So when she began to like unfold a little bit of hers, you know, we really connected. And, and she's one of those people that I continue to really enjoy following because yeah. she's just somebody she's who passionately awesome. pursues life. Yeah. So I didn't know that she was part of your story. Yeah. So about two and a half years ago, I found her on social media, reached yeah. out. We connected instantly and I started my fitness journey Amazing. through the company that she works with. And I really dug deep into myself. Mm. I became very selfish yeah. in the way of not buying myself things. I allowed myself time every single day to work on me, to grow, to wake up with a purpose find my purpose. And then I started like women started messaging me, mm. like asking me questions and, and that's We're so desperate for that. You, you say mm-hmm. that like, it's not like it's a surprise, but I think that that's, that's what humanity at its core. And I think what women do mm-hmm. so well is yeah. that we, we bond and we connect and we, and we want that with each other. And, and I think that's why women led businesses tend to 
tend to thrive because we don't, a lot of times we don't actually care about the, what the product is. We care about supporting the woman more yeah. than anything, right? And if the yeah. product's great, that's a, a bonus. But I mean, I think that's what's so impactful is that when we see somebody else and we see even just a sliver of something we connect to, you, we just want that. Yeah. We want that. Yeah. That's really cool you had that too. Yeah. Especially so, coming out of you feeling that with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like, I'll never forget walking with her arm in arm. We were in Indianapolis and I looked at her and I'm like, I hope one day somebody looks at me the way I look at you and thanks me. Yeah. And we talk about that moment all the time yeah. because I've had that moment. Yeah. Um, that's why I'm, I got asked to speak Yeah. because like women empowerment and growth and trying to just teach women that we have worth mm. and we're allowed to struggle and yes. we need to grow from our struggle. That's, that's our biggest growth in life are our struggles. And our life is not meant to be struggle-free. And right. I think that we have been birthed into the society where it's all about chasing happiness and like this stress-free lifestyle and how, and that's how much is marketed to us, you know, that we want to have, but to truly understand like, yes, we shouldn't have to live with stress in our bodies and stress in our life every day, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's struggle-free. Right. And the struggle is actually, you know, I always love the, the talking about, you know, the refinement of rocks when you see like how hard-edged they are, but when they're like pressurized underwater or different circumstances, like they soften and they they become something so different and we get refined. Like mm-hmm. we do get refined. You can't just like, I always find it so fascinating when you hear people's stories, like you wouldn't, like Marnie, you wouldn't be who you are today exactly. if your husband didn't pass away. Well, it's funny you say you. that because like I went, who would you have been? Right. I went to Minneapolis in June to a conference, yeah. a three-day conference. And this was my, my most profound moment of my journey thus far. We were sitting in a room with 3,800 women mm. crying and whatnot. And it was Rachel Hollis. I'll say like, yeah. uh, is that okay if I say yeah, her name? Fine. Okay. And, uh, she had many speakers over the weekend and she led us in a guided journey. Mm-hmm. And as this was going on, I could feel like something building in me. And I didn't like, not that I didn't like the way it made me feel. I just never felt it before. Yeah. And then all of a sudden this light came out and I had to leave the room. Mm. And I called my husband and like something really, really bad just happened. He's like, what? I'm like, it's really bad. I don't even know how to tell you this. And he's like, what? I'm like, so we are doing this guided journey. And at the end, we had to think of one or two things that we were most grateful for right now in our life. Yeah. And he's like, what? And I'm like, Joel passing was what came to my mind. Yeah. And I go, but people will judge me for saying that. But I don't mean that I'm happy I'm that happy he passed. He I'm just, I can't change the past. Yeah. You know, our past can't define us. However, I wouldn't be who I am today mm-hmm. if this hadn't happened to me. So it was like the first moment where I was like, my life is happening for me, not to yes. me. Yes. We can't change I can't go back and change that, yeah. but I can grow from that. I think that's so, oh, I love that kind of stuff because I felt the same way a few times about some things in my past and it's been, it's a hard pill to it's digest very. because you're like, if there's parts of me that I know are the greatest gift mm-hmm. and they're the parts of me that make me truly who I am and they are the fabric of my heart and of yeah. my mind and of my soul. And they came from a really dark place. Right. And that's hard. Like that's hard to embrace that. That's hard to like, to sit with that, I think, mm-hmm. and, and be like, oh, I suddenly like wish this happened. But I think it sometimes makes me look at people now when I see them going through the hardest of shit. Like you, you just want to look at it. them and say, you have no, you idea. have no idea what you what no your idea. what your future holds. And you like, and you and I are both similar in there in a sense where we've had those days where we literally lay in bed and it's it's an effort, it's an effort. alarm to get up and to get out and to be there. To suddenly, like, it's so easy to look at somebody now who's, you're out of bed, you're doing mm-hmm. things, you're you're living life, you know, I'm traveling all over and I'm doing all this stuff, but like, 
please don't forget that mm-hmm. it started with the woman with, who didn't know how to wake mm-hmm. up, who mm-hmm. didn't want to wake up. Yeah. Like your story didn't begin by this like incredible woman with this amazingly charismatic, serendipitous right. family with mm-hmm. this romantic freaking guy that apparently kissed you right after you said you yeah. needed it. <laughs> after a seminary. You know, there's parts of that that that's what people will cling to and they'll be like, I'll, I'll never have that. And, mm-hmm. and the fact is like, if you look at the origins of it and you look at the darkness and, and the journey between, we both were the people in bed mm-hmm. who didn't know how to get up and get going. When you feel like a failure. Yeah. And it, you know, when people close to you tell you, you've given up on everything in life. Well, like, honestly, I look enough, at them like, and I, I say, be- <laughs> I look at them and say, yeah, but guess what? I didn't give up on myself. Ex- yeah. And I failed over and over, but I am who I am today mm-hmm. for a very profound reason. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's important to, to honor that. Mm-hmm. I think it is. And I think that it's okay to say that like your husband dying, it was an instrumental part in you becoming who you were. Yeah. And that is a gift that he left you mm-hmm. that you wouldn't have had without that experience. Right. You might've had a totally different life, but it wasn't your life to live. It wasn't, right. it wasn't your story. It was meant to be written this right. way. And who knows, like, I think sometimes we often feel like, well, why did this happen to me? And it didn't happen to somebody else. And, and all of those either survivor's guilt or like victim guilt and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff that we kind of go through. But how has it been for you now being in the support role for women who kind of like, have you had that happen with other women who have had that happen? And I told my husband and my therapist, I said, this journey that I've been on over the last two years has been my best healing moments. Mm. I... I've realized that for me, helping other women yeah. helps me. Yes. It I don't know, like I do you feel that ever? Like do you Yeah, I feel like I well, a lot of stuff, like a lot of my content, I think a lot of people think I do it for other people. And I think that I understand the dynamic of people will connect to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that I I respect that part of it, but I am always doing it out of a therapeutic part of my Absolutely. own. There is something that's like so incredible when you get to like move your thoughts out of yourself and yeah. into something else and into something that feels more meaningful. Mm-hmm. It's not for nothing. And no. I, and I think that that's, it's really hard. I, I look at so many women. I was reading a woman's post today and her, her last child had died. And I was just like, where, where is the purpose in that? Yeah. Like, where is it? I know it's- it doesn't really make sense. And I think that that's same when I see women who are coming out of like abuse or childhood abuse and like sexual abuse and trauma. And it's like, what is the purpose in that? And it's really, that's the part that I struggled with. Mm -hmm. But then I understand that there is something not gifted by the person who hurt them and not gifted by the circumstances of loss, but more so in the power of them stepping into who they are. And this incredible ability that women have to channel something so painful into something so beautiful. You know, I, I, we were talking earlier about the women in business and mm-hmm. the fact that like women have literally built economies out of things that didn't exist. Exactly. Look at influencers. It's yep. literally an economy built out of something that didn't exist. Yeah. And women are kind of the same way about everything in life. We, we there's no thinking. I always talk about being a single mom. Maybe you relate to this. It was the single most solitary time that I've ever felt the strongest. Mm-hmm. You would think it was when I got on top and like I had a great job or now I'm earning money and I and I have that. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's when I had no money. It's when I had nothing to my name. The struggle. It was during those times where I was like, look how nothing I have and look how much I'm still doing. I'm yeah. still standing. I'm mm-hmm. still here. I'm still going. I'm still finding happiness in every single day. 
And I have nothing. I'm literally living at my parents' house. Right. I have nothing to my name. I'm working two jobs. I'm exhausted. Tired and yeah. There's so much going on, but I was like, damn it, if this doesn't stop me, what can? can. Yeah. But that's kind of the the difficulty of the fear of the unknown. We talk so much about, Mm -hmm. you know, the things that are on the other side and that kind of becomes our stopping point. And I can imagine for you, you didn't really get a chance to even think about what that would be like. You literally just were thrust into it. Yeah. How has it been now? Do you find that you, coming out of an experience like that, something so traumatic and so surprising, do you find you still feel fearful of the unknown? Or yes. do you? Yes. Yeah. I wondered that. I always wonder, yeah. like, do you kind of come to a place where you're like, well, if I could have gone through that, like, we'll be fine through everything? Or is mm-hmm. it like this constant fear of, well, now what? Yeah. We were talking a little bit about at dinner. I don't know who was saying something about, oh, Heather was talking about her kids and worrying. I went through a really bad phase of worrying about something happening to my kids. And Chris, my husband, now I always worry, like, I don't want to go through that again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, fearful of... Life, death, Life, all the things death, in between. Yeah, but that's something I work on all the time. At one point, Chris said to me, like, you can't live like this. Like, mm-hmm. you can't put your kids in a bubble. You can't. I would envision bad things happening to my kids, just like. Like bike. catastrophic thinking. Yeah, like yeah. they were on their bikes biking down the driveway. Yeah. And I'd be like, right, or getting on an airplane or, and you can't live that way. I didn't even realize, like, that was something that I was doing for a long time. Somebody had pinpointed that they said that they had catastrophic thinking. And I was like, what is that? Mm-hmm. She was like, well, it's I, a literally, scary thing to go I literally think about all the things that might be happening. And all of a sudden I was like, <gasps> like, I didn't realize how much I was doing that to my children where mm-hmm. I was like, I would manifest things that could be happening. Yep. I, I would think I would envision my son walking home from school. So he just learned to start like walking mm-hmm. and like, we're literally down the street. It's like mm-hmm. s- so dumb to even think that he's not. And I still would like my mom and I both joke that we like stand in the driveway and like watch him come home. But there was one time where it was truly, it was going to be a moment where he was walking on yep. his own. And I manifested in my mind, somebody driving up in a car, mm-hmm. picking him up and him being gone forever. And I couldn't let go of that thought. So all of a sudden I was actually traveling at the time. And all of a sudden I'm on the phone, I'm on the text. I'm like literally checking with neighbors. Like, has you, have you seen him? Has he come home? Like, is he here? Is he there? Because my catastrophic thinking went so far Mm -hmm. that instead of celebrating this moment where my son finally had this like great burst of independence, which he's been hoping for, for so long that I was just like, I was yeah. gutted by it. And I yeah. and I didn't realize how many people, the woman who was sharing it with me was sharing it about like how she would get to work and suddenly she would like obsess about the fact that her iron was on or obsess about the mm-hmm. fact that like her cat was like strangled somehow and all right. of these different catastrophic yeah. thinking. Yeah. And it's almost like, I think as women, sometimes we like hold fear so tightly in our chest that it comes out like in really wild ways. Yeah. Yeah. How have you coped with that kind of thinking as you've moved forward from that? Um, have you found some like tools that helps with it? Or is it a little bit of just like, I journal a lot. I write a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts. There's a few people, but, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, do you know him? No, no, no. (sighs) Really? All right. All right. All right. Um, he talks, he's a doctor and he studies the mind and like mind and body. And he talks a lot about how our past thoughts, how to get away from using our past thoughts to predict our predict our current where we are right now. So I've been working a lot on that. And like the fearful, like you can't go through life thinking something bad's going to happen. It's like a positive mind. Yeah. And I always struggled with a very negative mind because I'm like, well, this shit's happened to me. Right? Like, (laughs) honestly, everything you say, I'm like, fair enough. Fair enough. You want to drink tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) If uh, it's struggling, yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, just using that 
we can't allow our past to define us. We mm-hmm. can't allow our past to, I was at the point in my life where I didn't want my past to take anything more from me. Yeah. I just, I needed to move forward. I needed to embrace my kids, love my kids, allow them to be kids, allow my husband to be a husband, mm-hmm. not worry so much. My husband travels a lot for work. Like I would have fears of him getting yeah. in a plane crash Yeah, or being like driving. He goes out West a lot, like from yeah. Vancouver to Whistler. I'm like, Call me when you're in the car. Like, you can't live that way. Yeah. Does he have those same things? Does he suffer from those same types of fears, especially with a wife who probably got very, I know a bit about pancreatic cancer, but it's very sudden for a lot of people. It comes on. His is more like if I say my back hurts or he's like, well, what do you mean? Like, right. So mine's more that, not post-traumatic stress, but that sudden, like Mm. that trauma, like something happening. I mean, to watch someone die beside you yeah. is something you never no. envision or imagine or you know I well, I, I, I envision not. that I see that, that right yeah. I see that and I'm fearful of that happening again so but you can't live that way you can't if you allow your mind to go that way that's the way you're going to feel how do you feel now being in the life you are now and coming through this journey you've had this fitness journey you've had this mind healing journey you've had this grief journey quite honestly how do you feel now it's funny because we were talking about this the other day, my husband and I, and he's so proud of me and he's my biggest mm. supporter. And he said, like, how do you feel? And I'm like, I feel the best I've ever felt. Not amazing. And sometimes people would feel guilty about that mm-hmm. because some people would assume I shouldn't feel the best I've ever felt. And I shouldn't be the happiest and I shouldn't feel like I have my most purpose mm-hmm. in my life right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm the most fulfilled, the happiest I've ever been. Yeah. Um, I'm a great mom. I'm a great wife. I'm a great friend. Good for you for saying and, that. We always say I'm the okayest mom ever, but you're a great mom. That's really cool to hear. I think I'm a great mom because my kids validate that to me every day. I love like that. Like I got a message from my daughter tonight. She's 12 and she was like, I'm so proud of you and how far you've come coming from oh a 12 year old. She's like, I never thought I'd have a mom like you. So thank you. I love you. Right. So for That's your sweet. kids to send those things to you, it tells you that you're doing a good job. My son sent yeah. me a text asking for a beard comb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, do you talk to Joel? Do you talk to him? Does yeah. you Do you have a relationship with him in the sense of like, you lost your husband. Mm-hmm. Was he a husband that you truly miss? And is it something like, I think for a lot of people, like we talked about, like you glamorize yeah. a spouse who's passed away, mm-hmm. but you lost him in a way that you said, like it did feel like it was selfish and stuff. How has your relationship been with him and your grief past that? Good. I mean, I went to a medium. I didn't go mm-hmm. for a long time. I don't, like I went like two years ago. Okay. So some people don't believe in that, but I had some validation and right. Like it, it helped me heal in some things that I was really struggling with. We go to the cemetery all the time. Yeah. I talk to him a lot about the kids. Yeah. Like if my son's playing a hockey game, like I'll say like, Hey, like help him out here or, you know, so I talked to him in that way. I've forgiven him. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's funny because Chris and I will have conversations all the time. We'll talk and I'll be like, well, I guess I'll never know, right? Like until one day we're the one greater day. power. But, you know, it, it is hard because you'll hear things, see things, and you'll never know. How has your relationship been with having a totally different fitness journey from something that he had that was obviously a little bit more pressurized to mm-hmm. perform with his body mm-hmm. to the point that it did kill him? Yeah. And then you went on something that was much more of a healing journey with yeah. your body. Yeah. Have you found that it's been, you know, we we talk a lot, people ask all the time in terms of like the body positive or body yeah. confidence space in terms of like, how does that work with fitness and things like that? And it, it can be so muddy and so confusing. But for me, it seems like such a clear defined line right. in terms of like health and stuff. But like, how did you wrap your head around coming into a fitness journey after losing your husband to 
quote unquote a fitness journey. Well, it's funny because the business that I closed was a gym. Oh, really? I was a spinning instructor. Oh, wow. Yep. So once it closed, I kind of I can't do spin classes. My vagina goes numb after like a you regular get used bite. to it though. Your that, vagina just stops going numb. It stops going numb. Oh, you don't wow, feel like you've know. been like right. whacked with a baseball bat. <laughs> like it gets <laughs> better. Like that's what I say. Like you're gonna feel like someone took a baseball bat. All right, and that's whacked good to hear. Yeah. I, every time I'm invited to a spin class, I'm like, no, sorry, I can't go. My I always say you numb. build up a callus. Yeah. Like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Okay. Okay. Right. Anyhow, so, <laughs> so um, I took a couple years off and then it was like, I, it's not like I let my body go, nope, but right. I knew like fitness was always my drug. Like yeah. I knew like, it's just, I loved it. Yeah. So I found Kim. I started doing, I did 80 day obsession. Okay. And it wasn't so, like the fitness. It was just me discovering me. Yeah. Like that's what it was about. I didn't oh, yeah. need to lose a hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to, right. Yeah. We all need to change the way we eat. Need to Kim eat was veggies. the person that actually said the words to me that changed the way I looked at fitness and weight loss. And she said, yes, I definitely have people who come and they do fitness things and their body releases weight along the way. And I, yeah. I looked at her like, I've yeah. never heard somebody talk about weight loss in a way of like, it's not meant to be, it was a release due to a lifestyle due to thing. a lifestyle. It wasn't the goal. It wasn't like for the me, thing. It was great to work out, yeah. but I received so much from that journey that just set me to where I am today. Yeah, I just woke up every day with a purpose. I went downstairs because we do it at home. Yeah. And took my hour, did my thing. And then it was the one day where my husband, like the five kids were in the kitchen. He's like, did you notice a difference in your mom? And they're all like, yeah, like she's really happy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And then he's like, yeah, you're changing. And then we were sitting in Indianapolis and my, our 19 year old daughter now, she would have been like 17, sends me a picture of her food. And it was just like a healthy plate, like Aww, salad, she was rice and chicken. And she's like, when you try to be like your mom. And I was like, wow, they're watching, right? So <laughs> then I just make fun of me. <laughs> yeah. So then I just started implementing like what I do. Mm-hmm. And then I would notice like the kids were writing quotes on the board. Oh, I love and that. Just all transformed into like our household just became better. And Chris was like, because you decided to change. Yeah. Everybody else is better. And I think that's so nice because so many people grew up with mothers who just hated on their bodies. Yeah. And I think a lot of us had that if it wasn't you yourself, you knew somebody's mom who did where they talked about how Mm -hmm. they needed to lose weight or they felt crappy about themselves or they were on another slim fast shake and all these new diets and this, like we were raised in it. We were raised with hearing mothers hate their bodies. So I think that it's such a shining example when you see somebody who comes out of something especially so traumatic to see somebody finding joy, joy. in themselves yeah. all over again. And that's funny because I talk about my kids with the difference between happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. And the big defining thing for me was having a husband that tells me every day I'm beautiful, tells me every day he loves me. Um, yeah. Like I'm a solid size eight, sometimes a 10. Damn, me too. But it was like like five years ago, I wanted to be a size four. Yeah. Right. And that's what I was striving for. That's not my happy. I I was a size zero. Yeah. I wasn't happy. I've never been a size zero, but yeah. I got there and not in a good way, but I wasn't happy. And that was a really good message for me to learn. And it's funny because I feel more confident Mm. with myself today than I ever have. And I'm not the biggest I have ever been because I've been pregnant, but I'm definitely... Yeah. And my husband tells me every day, he's like, he he goes, I love your curves. So it's all about, I say often, like you have to be truly in love with yourself. You do. Because you can't have someone telling you you're beautiful or telling you, you know, you're good, you're this, you're Mm -hmm. that. If you don't feel that yourself. Yeah. 
it's just not ever going to work. It feels meaningless, right? It, it just, it kind of rolls off of you anyways. Yeah. So tell me about the helmet-free life. Okay. Yeah. I knew that was going to happen eventually. I've, I'm sorry that your partner isn't here. I know. Yeah. But you can tell us about it yeah. as we wrap this up and yeah. then people get to know you online anyways. Yeah. So this was a journey that started 11 months ago. Mm-hmm. It's very new. We're from a small town, so it yep. kind of exploded in our small town. Cool. We were sitting in a coffee shop. We've been friends since grade two. And what's her name? Jamie. I, I, Jamie Hayes. Okay. Yep. Um, Jamie and Marnie. Jamie and Marnie. We all just had dinner life. together. Yep. And we were sitting in a coffee shop, pissing our pants, laughing, because mm-hmm. that's just what we do. And then I said, hey, like, we should start an Instagram page for, like, women. Yeah. And she's like, she has a very interesting sense of humor. I love her. And she's like, okay. I'm like, are you serious? She goes, yeah, sure. Let's do it. So then we came up with a name and it just literally started was because we have seven kids between the two of us mm-hmm. and people, women are all like, how do you do it? How do you do it? And then I was on my journey and I had my own Instagram page. So I was kind of had that following mm-hmm. and then it just started. And then local businesses started reaching out like place and charm yeah. and wanting to do some work with us. And then it started turning into inspiration, motivation. She's a big foodie. She's a, yeah. the most amazing cook ever. So people, we like people love the food. Let's do food. People love fashion. Let's do that. Oh, the motivation. And they love like, well, women are multifaceted beings. It's really hard to niche yourself ever into one thing, let alone two moms with yeah. a bunch of kids and some stellar stories yeah. behind them. Right. Yeah. And I mean, she has her own story too. And then, uh, uh, turn into this and here we are that's and really cool we are loving it and we can't wait for like what holds in the future I'm so excited for you yeah. okay so spell it out for us because it's helmet.free.life that's on Instagram is yep. that where is that best place for everyone to find you yes amazing yeah and we share a little bit of everything we are very open like much like you we put it all out there I mean we've invested I don't know this how far. to not right I'm so, just then, too exhausting trying to yeah. be perfect. I and, you know, unfortunately, there's the haters, but. Yeah, but, I mean, they're not our people, so no, they're not our too. people. But it's been a great, great experience so far. And it's, surprisingly, she's very introverted, Jamie. Really? So when we started, I was like, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and she's been awesome, amazing, and we yeah, you guys are we such jive. a dynamic duo. Yeah. I think that's, I think you complement each other perfectly. And it's, I'm really excited to see where this goes for you. Especially, yeah. like, it's kind of really cool to meet somebody who's doing something kind of big for a small town, right? Yeah. Like it's really neat. I know this event that we're doing tomorrow, it's a big deal for this city. Mm-hmm. And it's a big uh, deal that you're here. Well, I mean, I'm also from Guelph. Like yeah. Guelph's not a big city. Like <laughs> Is that considered GTA though? <laughs> no. It's not? It's so it's, okay. I thought it was. It's commuter enough, it but it's definitely not. We're part of the tri-cities of like Kitchener, Waterloo, Guelph. Yeah. There's like double the amount of like Sarnia though. Yeah. Like it's like 120,000 maybe, something okay, like that. So, yeah. So, yeah. It's still like a very community-based kind of place though. So anyways, I think it's really cool what you guys are doing. And I and I'm so excited to see where it goes for you. I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. I know we were we were talking in the car and and talking about how sometimes it could be hard to like move past something like so that's such a huge milestone in mm-hmm. your life and yeah. be able to channel in a way that makes sense without it like constantly holding you back. But mm-hmm. I know that there have been people who have gone through loss or even like a lot of people. They go through unexpected loss in the sense where somebody just straight up leaves yeah. or, you know, all of these things happen. And and I think that it's heartbreaking to hear that it happened to you at such a young age. Yeah. But I think that it's also something that a lot of people are going to experience at some point or know yeah. somebody who does. And I'm really excited for them to have, you know, some really honest I don't even want to call it inspiration, but insight into yeah. like what that looks and feels like and, yeah. and what life looks like past laying in bed all day. Yeah. Which is such a <laughs> 
Such yeah. a beautiful thing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Marnie. Oh, thank you. You are such a light. And uh, yeah, check out helmet.free.life on Instagram and continue to follow along with these ladies. They're these small town girls and they're they're doing something really cool in this world. So watch out for them. Invest in your hometowns. Invest in the people that that have these stories like this, right? And these women that are on the rise. And I can't stress that enough. So thank you so much for listening and we'll tune in next week. Thank you. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.